Hello everyone and welcome back or welcome to the Finding Balance podcast. I'm Tom Ford and as you might know now, I believe that success in your inner world leads to success in your outer world. And what I mean by that is I think if you can become comfortable asking and and potentially answering some of the bigger questions uh, such as what's important to me, what do I value, What, what is this experience about for me? Uh, why am I doing such and such, then I think we're far better equipped to to go out and and do something in in the in the outer world and um, and I think what that also makes you realize is that when you know those answers or you become clearer on those answers, you realize that you can achieve success on a daily basis and it, it isn't reliable on on any external measures. But I think the better equipped you are to answer those questions, I think success in in the outer world or in the external form uh, happen as a byproduct. And that's really what gave me the desire to to start this podcast was to greater understand the inner world of some of the best players and coaches in the squash world, and uh, and yeah, to get a to hopefully gain a better idea and perspective around the path to success attitudes around striving for it and uh, and what it's like once you achieve it and and life after it too. So in today's episode I decided to to take the train up to Manchester and sit down with Saurav Gosor. Uh, it was the World Championships and for those of you that don't know Saurav he's he's the Indian number one and he's been ranked in the top 20 for quite some time now. And uh, I was particularly interested in having this conversation with him at this period of time because since the new season in September 2017, he uh, he seems like a different person. He's uh, he's had some fantastic results, some of the best of his career, and and just on court he's playing with. It looks like he's playing with a, a lot more purpose and presence. And I, I'm really I was really interested to to hear his thoughts on on maybe what had changed and just his general thoughts on on this this period. I think this conversation is really about letting go and and that's very much something that Sarov talks about in this conversation and I think what he means is by letting go of wanting it too badly and that, that this sort of brings me on to the second theme of belief. It's definitely something that Saurav hasn't been short of since his early days, but I think that's always the tricky balance to find is believing in yourself and and wanting to achieve things, but also having the courage to step back and and almost let go and and trust in in the work that you've done. Um, So that seems like something that Saurav has has managed to to find, at least in this period, and it's it's reflected in, in the squash that he's playing at the moment. And lastly, uh, gratitude, and I think that's that goes very, very nicely hand in hand with with letting go. I think if you're if you're too focused on the goal and 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 the outcomes, it's like you're stood you're stood too close, and and you can't. It's very hard to see all the amazing things that are going on around you. And I think when you're able to let go, it gives you a, a position to step back and see a much, much bigger picture. Uh, and that's when that's when you can be you can start to become grateful for all the the, the amazing things that that life's gifted you, and that, that again seems like something that that Sarov has been able to do and has had a huge impact on on him both on and off the court. Uh, we also talk about his time in Pontefract and the influence that 
that Malcolm Wilstrop and James Wilstrop had on him, and also going to university in England and how the different education system really changed the way he thought about approaching life and thinking. So with that being said, I'll, I'll leave you with the conversation. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here's Saurav Gosal. Okay, hello everyone and welcome back or welcome to the Finding Balance podcast. I'm Tom Ford and my guest today is Saurav Gosal. Saurav's the number one in India and has been for, for quite some time now. And uh, his list of accomplishments are, are, are many, particularly in terms of making history in, in India. Some of those being he's the first Indian to reach the top 20 in the world and also the first Indian to reach the quarterfinals of the World Championships. Uh, in 2014 at the Asian Games, he headed the team to win the, uh, win the Asian Games for the first time in, in history also. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me, Dom. Yeah, it's funny. We, we were supposed to sit down and have this conversation at St. George's and uh, you ended up doing incredibly well, um, beating Marwan Elshabegi in the first round, followed by Mohamed Abulgar. Um, so we didn't actually get the chance. Obviously, it's, it's great. But, um, and you, you continue to, to do, have a fantastic start to the season. Now we're in Manchester for the World Championships. Um, just maybe just talk about this this period, this past few months. Um, I don't want to, you know, suggest that there's any kind of magic bullet that's happened and, and now suddenly results are coming. But you know, how have you been feeling, and has there been any kind of difference? Um, I think the the major difference is that uh, last year, in the beginning of last year, I had quite a few injuries, and um, I was almost playing catch up with my body and with the squash in the season um, throughout last year and the beginning of this year. Uh, so it didn't give me the the luxury of being able to train as hard as I wanted to for as long as I wanted to in terms of uh, the number of days or, or the period. Um, so to keep my body in, uh, in playable condition, I had to kind of do uh, hard sessions, but then take up one or two days, which weren't that hard. And the the rhythm and the routine of the um of the training wasn't as what I would have liked it to be. Uh, I think uh, what I've done, especially in the summer of this year, is that um I've put in a lot of work in terms of taking care of my body. Uh, there's a new center in India, uh, which is actually started by uh, this person called Abhinav Bindra, who is the only individual. Uh, Olympic gold medalist from India. Wow. Uh, he's a shooter. He won gold in Beijing 2008. Uh, he, along with his physio, have started uh, this thing called Abhinav Vindra Futuristic Performance Targeting Center, which is in essence like a physio center, but it's there's a lot of like scientific backing to it with a lot of data, uh, objective data, which uh, helps not just the people who technically understand the body really well, but uh, um, pretty much dumbos like me <laughs> regarding the biology of the body to see where I can make those incremental improvements uh, to be able to keep my body in um, in the best shape so that I can fire when it uh, when I need to. Um, so I think that's made a big difference. Um, I've been able to train on a more regular basis back home, um, have a more settled uh, routine. Um, and that I think that routine has kind of translated into mentally me being a lot more secure stable calm composed and and that just helps i think uh not just in squash but just overall in life and and i'm sure as you know like 
um, everything is connected. Uh, so if everything around you is is serene and better, then you can just focus on the things that you that you need to do. Totally, yeah. So um, and and I think that's quite noticeable in sort of watching you play the bits that I've seen this season. That there's like a a lot more of an, an intensity that that I notice when you're playing and you think that just comes from the, the trust in your body and the work that you've put in um, that you, you maybe weren't able to in the when you were injured. Yeah, I think um, I think the physical aspect of it is definitely there. Uh, mentally, obviously, uh, at the back of my mind, I know that um, I've put my body through a lot in the in the off season and in, in training. So my body is able to handle it. Um, I think also uh, a big change in me mentally has been that, um, you know, all these years I've, for a majority of the time, maybe I've been caught up in, uh, you know, making sure almost that I want to win, I want to win, I want to win. And of course, all of us uh, play the sport to win. No one plays to lose. Uh, I mean, winning is is uh, is brilliant. Winning makes you happy. There's no, anyone says otherwise is is not is not playing the sport um, the way they're supposed to, but I think what I'm trying to uh, say is that um, I've tried to kind of detach myself from that a little bit. It's easier said than done, and it's a fine line because sometimes if you say that okay, it doesn't really matter if I win or lose, then you don't actually push yourself when it comes down to the nitty gritty of it. Uh, but for but for me, I think um, especially with what happened last year with the injuries and the early part of this year, uh, I think I'm I found this sense of of gratitude to be able to play in the first place, uh, to be able to uh, perform on big stages like the World Open in Manchester, um, to be able to uh, play the way that I want to play because I know the way I want to play. I know that if I can do that, then it's it's entertaining and, mm. and people like to watch. And um, so that's, that's a big thing for me as well. So I found a way to kind of tell myself that, right, if I can just focus on uh, enjoying myself, uh, of course, at the same time, believing that I'm good enough to beat whoever I'm playing. Uh, if I can enjoy myself, then everything kind of flows together. Um, and the intensity and the pace that you were speaking about, I think it just comes from, A, the physicality that I have in my bank through the training, uh, but mentally as well, knowing that, um, you know, I'm just enjoying myself. And um, if if my body holds up and, and mentally, if I'm tuned in, then I can do some serious damage to whoever I'm playing. Yeah, totally, and it, and it is as you said a very fine balance to 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 find, and it and it's um and it's different for everybody as well. You know, I think it depends on uh, many many different things, but um, I think it's difficult for a lot of people because the it almost seems a bit paradoxical to let go when you want it so badly, and but the the irony is that when you do want it so badly, then you're fearing loss or whatever, then that has really negative impacts on, on lots of different things, but including your physicality and you can get very tired very quickly. So, um, yeah, when, when you have a bit more freedom to play it's, and let go, it's, it's, it's surprising, you know, how the results just, just happen because, we, as you said, everyone's put the work in and, and wants to win. It's just about finding your balance. So that's great. So maybe let's, um, let's take a shift back and, and talk about, uh, your homeland. Cause I, I, I'm really interested in India and, um, and I know that you're very passionate about it too. So, um, you're, you're still living in Calcutta. Is that, is that right? Is that yes. where the center is as well? Or, uh, no, actually the center, uh, there are two centers, uh, one in Chandigarh and one in Delhi okay. and they're opening a third one in Bangalore, um, 
on Sunday actually. Yeah. Uh, that's the inauguration. So yeah, so I've actually had to fly down to these cities uh, to to get my body in the shape that it needs to be to be able to play at the level that I want to. How how regular is that? Um, so I mean, I try and go like for you know a a, a period of like three to five days in between okay. events. So I'm I've tried to kind of do it every six to eight weeks because obviously yeah. you're traveling so much and and the calendar is pretty chock-a-block at the end of the year so um so yeah i mean obviously in the summer like before the season started and then during the season uh, i've done it twice i'm going to go back again uh, at some point at the end of this month before the season starts again in january so yeah so that's i mean i'm trying to do the best i can of course mm-hmm. ideal scenario would be if it was in my city and i had access to it pretty much every day but the world is not ideal. No, no, it's not. Um, but so you're you're from Calcutta, and maybe just for the benefit of uh, the listeners, um, say one of one of the listeners or someone here is at the World Championships, and they say, right, Sarav, let's let's go to Manchester Airport, and we're going to fly to Calcutta. Where where would you take them, and and what kind of things would they see? I think two things about Calcutta, which um, for me are the are the best things of the place, um, is uh, number one the food. Uh, the food is, um, I mean, India has a lot of good food, and obviously abroad everyone thinks that, uh, well, not everyone, a lot of people think that there is one type of Indian food, but that's not true. Uh, every pretty much every city um, in India has. A different cuisine um, mm. and uh, Calcutta is in the state of Bengal so uh, Calcutta is Bengali cuisine which is where I'm from like you said um, and there is so much to eat so <laughs> so I think I think that would be I would take them to a few restaurants take them home maybe so because obviously home food is is um, is a good like peep into what uh, traditional Bengali cuisine would be um, the sweets in Calcutta are are unbelievable. Uh, I have a massive sweet tooth, so I have to really, really, really control myself. Um, so I think the the food is is definitely uh, the the one big thing. Uh, I think the other part would be um, the people. I think the people are um, genuinely, uh, on average, quite sweet. Uh, like um, in India, there's um, we we as as a people have a reputation of being the sweetest in the country. Uh, so um, I think that's uh, something. I think going to meet these people, you'll realize that um, they are are very easygoing. Maybe not as as chilled out as the Caribbean, but uh, but definitely uh, the pace of life is a lot slower than what it is in Bombay or Delhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and they somehow have a lot more time, to, you know, to listen to you and. And, and have a year for, for your troubles or even your joys. So I think meeting uh, people in, in different social settings uh, as well as, as the food would be the two things I would make them do first. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and has it, has, or has it changed much since you were growing up as, as a young boy? Yeah, I mean, I think all cities around the world have changed a lot. You know, mm. like uh, I think we as people have changed a lot. Um, Technology has taken over um a lot of our lives um and with that you know you have a lot of these uh malls and uh traffic has increased so much more than what it was so yeah i mean things have definitely changed since when i was five years old i mean there's no Mm. there's no doubt about that but yeah i mean i'd still say that calcutta is one of the 
the slower metropolitan cities in India. And that's probably one of the reasons why I really like it. Hmm. And I mean, what were your what were your kind of interpretations of growing up in India? I, I, I mean, there are two things, obviously, that you're young, you may be not thinking about it too much. And but, you know, India is a, a, a fascinating place and very different to a, a lot of other places in the world. And um, how, how do you think that sort of shaped you as as a person growing up? And what, did your has your kind of ideas or interpretations of you know all the stuff that happens there changed as you've kind of aged um growing up uh, and even now i've always felt that because we are a young country we're only a little over 70 years old uh since we gained independence from the british so uh we've always kind of had this attitude of like catching up with the rest of the world uh or the rest of the developed world so to say um we have a lot of talent in the country we uh we have a lot of natural resources uh but i've always felt that you know we haven't um well we don't strive for excellence on a large scale uh we we're good at you know creating volume and numbers uh but the excellence bit is is missing in a lot of areas um i think that's changing now i think the new generation is a lot more um upfront about it as well uh, and they want to make sure that they are the best in the world and i think um india as a country as well as the people uh, in terms of the talent that they have um have it in them to be uh the best in the world at what they want to be mm-hmm. um and i think that is something that especially because obviously as squash players we started traveling at a very young age because we were playing tournaments in in europe and asia especially uh, so i remember like my first um international event was in singapore and malaysia which are <laughs> and singapore especially is a really developed uh city and country so i remember going there and thinking like wow this this place is such a small country but they've done so much to it and it's so mm. clean and um everything is so organized and uh you know there's there's just so much to like about this place mm. and and thinking that why is it that in india we can't do this uh, you know why is it that public toilets for example aren't um kept as as well as as singapore for example small things um but i think coming that's like almost 20 years back now mm. uh, i think that's definitely changing a little bit like i said and you see it in every sphere like even in sport like leaving cricket aside we didn't really have any other sport where we could say that you know we are good enough to compete at the world level mm. and now we're like in badminton we're like pretty much um up there with china if if not better than them in 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 some areas which mm. is probably unheard of in the last decade or so um so it's showing and i'm so happy and so proud that you know that we can uh we can harness the potential that we have because there is so much potential in in every sphere you know there mm-hmm. of course there will be countries who have an um added advantage in certain certain areas and that's that's their so called a uh, competitive advantage but, but but there are so many other areas where we can be better uh, better than them and uh, i think we need to have first and foremost the the belief that we can do that mm-hmm. and then work towards making that possible and i think now the government as well as well as the people in general and society in general businesses in general i think everyone is 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 striving to to get there i'm not mm-hmm. saying we are there but i think we are on the right track to get there of course if we could fast track it everyone would be happier but uh, at least we're we're going in the right direction mm. i think once there's proof that it is possible that that that's really inspiring for a lot of people and 
is one of the reasons why it's so it's been maybe so quite difficult and for for people like yourself or the the ones who really had to carve that path without any um sort of proof that it could be done um but it's i think it's it's very um evident you know that that sport can have such a positive impact on on developing countries and i think numerous benefits you know when the government starts supporting and and see it as a route for development for young people and a different route out so um so with that being said how did how did squash make its way into your life <laughs> i think as with most uh kids in india i think it's the parents who are right. kind of usher us in uh my father used to play so mm-hmm. um he kind well, of uh, i mean he played for like college and uh and recreationally as like at club level mm-hmm. uh nowhere near professional like didn't even try uh but he's the one who kind of ushered me into the game um and yeah that's how i started i, I mean when since i was like 5 6 years old um i just love sport pretty much every boy in india plays cricket when they're young so so cricket was um on the roster as well but yeah so i'm just happy that i found um a sport to to make my living you know like mm-hmm. i know squash has given me a lot and i'm so happy to be playing squash but at the end of the day the main thing for me is that um i've been able to uh play sport and and do that on a full time basis for so long sure. um and i couldn't have asked for uh doing anything else which would give me more joy than um than playing a sport and playing squash has given me um a lot of happiness of course there's been a, a lot of dark times because you know like we said in the beginning everyone wants to win and uh, you you kill yourself um every day in training thinking that this is what i'm doing so that i can win um and to be able to detach yourself from that is is hard and is a fine line uh but when you look back in hindsight and when you put things in perspective you realize that um you're you're lucky in a lot of ways that um the majority of the population aren't so so mm-hmm. i'm really thankful for that and uh thankful to be able to still be able to do what i want to do totally yeah um and were there other than your father were there who were the sort of main influences in you starting to take squash a little bit more seriously did you take and did you take squash quite seriously quite early on or or how did that kind of work out i think till i was 15 i pretty much just went to the club in calcutta the calcutta rackets club which is one of the oldest clubs in the world mm. uh it's actually the 225th year anniversary next next year wow. um so i should just go to the club at 4 o'clock straight from school uh, school finished at 3:30 and just play from like 4 to like 6:37 with club members mm-hmm. and and that was it that was my so called training and uh <laughs> that's what i did and i just enjoyed myself and i used to be super excited going to tournaments and things like that and feel super sad leaving the tournaments because none of the because i was the only player from calcutta there was no one else mm-hmm. uh so i used to see all these other juniors and they used to go back in in batches because there's so many from bombay and delhi and i used to be the only one coming back to calcutta and i should be like why why am i the only one <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that's all it was and then uh at 15 i kind of moved um to chennai where the national academy oh, okay. is um and that's when i actually started training properly um in fact before that like there used to be like certain coaches who came in and out of calcutta and they used to have like training times and uh, i used to be 
um, so lazy that I used to know the days where we were supposed to do like court runs and stuff. And I used mm. to like purposely not go on oh, those really? days like that. Oh, I have something to do in school or something like that. Because <laughs> I didn't want to run. Yeah. I used to land up like half an hour after mm. the session was over so I could play with the members again. <laughs> uh, but no, from like 15, like when I moved to Chennai, um, I don't know what happened. I don't know why it happened. But mm. I remember like something clicked and I, I was really determined. And, and I started like pretty much killing myself. And I used to never complain and... Um, and I used to always be there and, and things like that. I don't know why, again, it's mm. it's weird. I can't remember what happened, but it just happened. And um, yeah, so I went to the academy uh, in Chennai. For I was there for about two and a half, three years, mm. which is when I won the British Junior Open in, in Sheffield in 2004, um, which was obviously a big, big thing for Indian squash at the time. Um, and that was the under-19s, right? The under-19, yeah, the Drysdale. Um, and then after that, I moved to England, uh, mm. to lovely Pontefract <laughs> uh, to train with uh, Malcolm Wilstrop. And if I had to put one name on uh, on the list of influencers to uh, my professional career, then it has to be uh, Malcolm. I don't think I would be the player I am today if I hadn't moved to Pontefract when I was um, 18. Uh, sure. Maybe I would be a better player today if I had moved when I was 12. Um, I don't know. But um, but what he gave to me both as a coach as well as as a person, mentor, everything is is invaluable and and it's not something that um, can be described or uh, or given back in any form. It's just it's just unbelievable what he what he does even today. Uh, like I'm not there in 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 Pontefract anymore, but um, I still know that. Whenever I need him, he's always there. Uh, he's gonna be there tomorrow when I'm playing the world champ in Gawad. Um, so yeah, so it's it's unbelievable what he's done, and he knows that I will always be thankful for, uh, for for what I've learned from him on every session that I've I've been with. Mm. And what what sort of ignited that the idea to to go to Pontefract and that uh, it, that was possible. It was basically his son, James Wilstrop, won the World Juniors in Chennai in 2002. Uh, okay. And that's the first time I ever heard of Malcolm Wilstrop. And um, and I saw him as well because he was there. And I really liked the way James played. Um, and I saw the way Malcolm, like before the Spawn tournament especially, like the kind of stuff that they were doing mm. on court to prepare for the event. And... Again, I don't know why, but at that moment in time, I was like, this is like three years before I actually came to Pontefract. Mm. Um, and in 2002, December, I remember, I was just like, yeah, if I leave Chennai, that's where I want to go. Mm. Um, I, I, again, I don't know why. I did not, like, I had, there was not even a hello, hi said at the time to him. Like, he had really? no idea about me. Uh, maybe he did because I was playing for the team. But other than that, there was nothing, like, no eye contact, nothing, zero. And... Um, yeah, and then um, I basically like to. Uh, I think I emailed him in two thousand four, saying that I want to come to train and blah blah blah, uh, and I want to shift here and do university as well and this and that. And I think I was actually the first international player who kind of moved full time to train with him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know what the others were doing before that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think uh, it was it was really really good call on my part. Um, and yeah, he just took me in, and yeah, we haven't looked back since. Mm. And and how, what was the response um, in in India and from your family and the federation? Because you you you'd achieved quite a lot from what I can gather in the juniors, most um, obviously winning the British Open. Um, yeah, what I mean, what was the response not only around winning that, but also when you're going actually, you know, I've been in Chennai training hard and things are going well, but now I want to move to Ponte. Like how 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 was that period of time? I think everyone understood my family, uh, the federation as well. Thankfully, that um, staying in Chennai, I had, I had achieved uh, what I could. Um, mm. I think if I stayed there um, with with the potential and talent that I had, I think I would have still probably made top fifty. But going beyond that would have been uh, a much tougher ask than what it is now. Uh, so I needed to go somewhere where you know, my game could go to the next level and I could be able to learn. Um, I had to get better structure in my game, um, train with someone who had experience and expertise producing world champions. And Malcolm is, is one of the few coaches in the world to um, to lay claim to that. And mm-hmm. um, So my family was sold anyways. Um, we had to speak to the Federation, but, but they understood that if I really, really wanted to do well and really wanted to make it big, then... Uh, I had to give myself the best possible chance to do that. And at that point in time, going to Malcolm seemed the best best option. That's great. So maybe talk about your, your early experiences moving to Ponte. You're obviously wide-eyed and great, I'm going to be training with Malcolm and James. Um, yeah, is there a story that kind of springs to mind about those early days? Um, I remember the first day, uh, so I started at the University of Leeds um, mm. the first three years. Uh, so I was doing my... Um, bachelor's degree in economics and management uh, as well as training um, so I remember the first day I landed in England uh, I came alone uh, and I moved into my uh, uh, residences and Oxley residences in Leeds and I literally sat in my bed and I was like and it was like so dark and gloomy at like 4 30 in the evening <laughs> uh, and cold in like September uh, sat in my bed and I was just crying. I was like, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> Why have I come here? Um, and then, uh, yeah, then the next morning I went to, um, went to Ponty and, and I don't know, I don't think I saw James on the first day, but yeah, I mean, obviously he was around uh, in the first bit and, and James is a very, he's a very, very nice guy. He's actually one of the uh, nicest human beings that I do know you know some people um, feel that he's um, not not that nice because he doesn't you know he's not the typical extrovert that you would meet you know he he only speaks to you if he knows you uh, but he's a really nice guy and uh, you know I got along with him uh, really really well uh, at the time and the the squash part of it I think um First, you know, Malcolm tells you what to do. Like, Malcolm doesn't get on court with you a lot. Mm-hmm. He's more like the kind who will be commenting on every shot and telling you what to do, which shot to play, how to play it, and things like that. So he's giving you the theory of what he wants you to do. And then you look at James, and then you can see the theory being put into practice. So it's almost like a live demonstration of what Malcolm mm-hmm. is is talking about. <laughs> so so it becomes easier for you to kind of understand, uh, you know, what, what he means and how he wants you to play. So I think that was really, really helpful uh, for me, especially 
because sometimes like coming from India, listening to Malcolm talk from upstairs while you're hitting the ball in the Yorkshire accent, you have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but uh, then James does it. I'm like, okay, we just do this. Just just follow him. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. So I think I think that was great. Um, you know, there was so many good players around. There was Lee Beechel. Uh, who was still playing at the time? Uh, Ong Beng he used to come in as well. Uh, uh, Anthony Ricketts and, and Shelly Kitchen were there for a while before mm-hmm. uh, Anthony retired. Uh, so uh, Vanessa Atkinson obviously was there towards the end of her career too. So there were so many good players and so many top top players that you could see them every day and learn, uh, you know, what they did, how they did it, mm-hmm. um, and that just gave you uh, not just inspiration but like a, almost like a handbook of of what you needed mm-hmm. to do to to get to the very top and it was it was just humbling humbling all through um funny story about lee actually <laughs> so lee beecher is now that i know him really well he's he's one of the funniest guys i actually know he's got a really really um like cynical sense of humor <laughs> but um like the first few times that he was like they're training with us like we hardly spoke he was just like hello hi uh, but there was once we were going to a national league match in Duffield and and he was driving me um, so it was just the two of us in the car and it's like it's from point of fact it's about two two hours 15 minute drive right. and I remember like he was driving and for the first one and a half hours like not a word was spoken like zero <laughs> and I'm like 18 any radio or I don't actually remember <laughs> uh, and I was like 18 and Lee's like former world number one so yeah. I'm like I'm almost in awe of him so I'm not really gonna say much and blah blah, blah. Um, and uh, one half hours like nothing so I'm like thinking in my head like he really doesn't like me does he <laughs> and then um, and then after one and a half hours he goes like so how's it been you know how's how's England <laughs> and then we started talking and then after that like we just like we speak so well and yeah. and he's like the funniest guy <laughs> like so funny like so dry his sense of humor but uh, <laughs> I remember telling him later on and he was just cracking up <laughs> and then like even during my match like when someone's speaking to me I don't actually look at them right I'm like I'm like listening to them uh but I'm like just thinking of like what they're telling me I'm trying to visualize it in my head to do it mm-hmm. and like he like during the match he was like speaking to me in between games and after like the second game like when he was talking to me and I'm obviously not looked at him after the first game as well he's going like are you even listening to me <laughs> i'm like no no i am i am yeah. <laughs> i remember back telling me the next morning he's like lee was like wondering whether you were listening to him or not <laughs> i was like no no i was so max like yeah yeah that's what i told him as well <laughs> so but yeah there've been some good times there and and uh the pontifact squash and leisure club is like second home and mm. the people there are are brilliant the members you know they're all so so nice and so welcoming and um you know if um like i would do what i can at any point in time to to help the club and because the club has given me and not just me but so many so many players who've made it not made it they've given all of them so much mm. just on a, on a side note as well that when you were talking about how many players were there as well it's it's good because you've got lots of different references and everyone kind of goes about their things in a different way don't they so it's, it's like another way of saying well okay well I don't have to be exactly like so like James you know um, and I think that kind of gives you permission maybe a bit more to say 
I can carve my own path and, and it will work out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, another funny story again with Lee. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I'm going to have to get him back on. Just, uh, <laughs> tell uh, us some stories about you. Uh, we, we were, so he, he, it was the end of his career and I th- uh, he had a few knee problems and that's why he had to retire pretty early as well. So I remember he hadn't played for like a month and a half or something. And uh, this was, uh, I think it was the 26th of December, the day after Christmas. And uh, you just turn up for Malcolm session. So you don't know who's going to be there, who's not. And it just so happened that it was just Lee and me on that day. And uh, we started warming the ball up. It's just cold. 26th December is cold. So it's pretty hard to get the ball to the back and mm-hmm. as usual. So you started warming the ball up. And believe you me, after five minutes of hitting the ball, I was just like, I just need to stop. Mm. Like this guy hasn't hit the ball in like six weeks, hasn't touched a racket. And he's absolutely creaming this wow. ball. <laughs> like he's been playing for absolutely, like he's been training like absolutely fine. I remember telling Lee, I'm like, Lee, don't do this to me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like feeling so bad now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you know, so but then you kind of realize that everyone has their own strengths and their own weaknesses. Mm. So, you know, when you played play James like uh, James opens the court up a little bit more and you know he expresses himself a little bit more and that gives you an opportunity but his um, uh, his precision and his accuracy is so good that that's what his his thing is whereas with Lee it's like he's he's suffocating you he's like starving right. you because his length and width is is impeccable it's one right. of the best ever and um, you know that's his strength to be able to build through that length and width and then his his skill to you know finish the ball off uh, is so good so both are such good players both hit the ball so well but in but they they structure the game in in, in very different ways mm. uh, and both have been super successful in in both the ways and that's why you can see even now in the top 10 right now or even the top 20 i think everyone has their own identity own way that they that they want to play uh, own way that they want to kill the other person um, and I think that's important for for everyone to to know that that uh, you can never be someone else that you have to be mm-hmm. able to do something that someone else can't and that's that's what's going to be hard for the other person to play against and the best way to do that is to be the best version of yourself of course and you're not going to be you're always going to come up second best if you try to be yeah. <laughs> someone else so um do you want to talk a little bit about uni as well um sort of what what kind of impact did that have on you and 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 also what what sort of prompted the decision to do it after you know having achieved so much success um squash wise um i don't think it was that common to go to university at, at that time uh, as well as you know I think yeah I think in India like not doing university is 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 not a topic to be approached <laughs> right. upon okay. uh, so you have to kind of do <laughs> university yeah. uh, and for some reason it never crossed my mind that I didn't want to do it sure. um, I I, de- I definitely wanted to uh, do university for sure so um, that was always on the thing um, in terms of uh, you know the impact that it had I think going to university having the education um, I think it gives you you know, a good understanding of of um, of what the world is about, of mm. um, how how life is, how you need to manage your time. Um, I mean, it's not easy to do university and play professional squash. I mean, it's it's hard work, but uh, you need to manage your time and, and and get it done. And once you do get it done, then uh, it shows that you know you can you can get through some some hard uh, hard times um, through that. And uh, the University of Leeds was. It was one of the best experiences. Uh, I still miss some of the economics lectures that I went to, uh, especially the microeconomics ones. 
and i wouldn't change um um the decision to go to university uh, even now um and um it helped that leeds was close to pontefract and mm-hmm. i think that's why i chose leeds so that i could go to pontefract to train um i couldn't do two sessions a day when i was in university uh because it was just impossible um but i did what i could i tried to do as much as i could and and i think um i'm i'm a better person for it uh, mm-hmm. and uh, i learned a lot of course i don't remember a lot now <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i learned a lot and um you know you i got to understand um the english way of life and the english right. way yeah. of of working um the 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 mindset towards the education which is very different to the way it is in india mm. um so you know so that gave me uh, a different perspective on on a lot of things and uh, i think um it's held me in good stead over the years while some breaks squash but i think it'll help me even more once i once i finish mm. and how did that differ just out of interest of you know the english and the indian way of so i think in university for example like um the first day at uni when you have your orientation week uh, uh, i remember one of the indian students actually getting up and asking a question saying that right we have three uh, for an economics paper basically we had three uh, essay questions that we needed to answer and each were marked out of 100 and basically you averaged it out for your for your for your mark and they got up and answered and said how um how big does your answer need to be like how long uh, because in india that's how it is like if it's a if it's a five mark question you're writing like two three two two and a half pages mm-hmm. uh if it's two mark question you're writing like half a page or something like that right so it was a very pertinent question so like mm. yeah how long does it need to be because three as a question still supposed to write for an hour yeah. each question so i remember the professor saying that you could write one page or you could write 20 pages mm. the length doesn't matter if in the one page you've convinced me of something which um is mind blowing you're getting a hundred sure uh in 20 pages if you're just blabbering away <laughs> you're getting a zero yeah uh so that was that was really good and then he went on to say he's like like he said on another note what color is the wall behind me and the wall was white so everyone was like it's white mm. he's like if you can convince me that this and that the color is black mm. that's the right answer and i was like what do you mean <laughs> in my head i'm going like what do you mean and funnily enough someone asked him what do you mean how yeah. can you do that so he's like if you can like formulate a theory which goes against all normal theory uh, but you can have like evidence to back it up um, then you might get a better mark than someone who's actually given the so called right answer hmm. so i thought that was that was genius i think i think that's really good because that um gives you the the incentive to kind of try something new uh and to kind of go out there and 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 push the boundaries and then that's what you want to do as a as a human race to be able to push the boundaries and and change the change the way of thinking because if everything is at a status quo you're going to stagnate um as as a person as a society as a race uh but that kind of uh for me I think that was that was really cool that you know that they were ready to accept that something might not be the same as as what it's so called said to be for all these years mm-hmm. uh, and if you can prove that it it's, it's something else then um then that's better mm-hmm. um so i think that was i think that was my biggest takeaway from 
from university on that first day and, and it mm-hmm. stayed with me through the whole thing that that was that was the main thing mm. that's fantastic and it, and it's very applicable as you said to other things too and and i think that's why i certainly advocate you know the benefit of doing other things and you know you can actually improve i mean yourself as a person but let's say a player for the arguments of professional squash by doing something that's completely opposite to being squash just by challenging the way you think or becoming a bit more of a well-rounded person um there, there are many 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 ways to you know improve your squash game as it were yeah for sure um so i mean other than that sort of shift of perspective what were what were sort of the biggest things that you learned just in general throughout that period you know your early years on the tour time with malcolm and and the guys at ponty i think early years on the tour um you know i was playing a lot of guys who were obviously you know around the 50s 60s uh, around there um so um it was important for me to uh, to understand uh, that there was a difference in in kind of breaking them down as well as compared to breaking someone in the top 10 top 20 down sure. um the difference um i think uh, i understood that if um if i could apply what what Malcolm was teaching us uh, in terms of the structure of the game and the accuracy that he wanted us to do, uh, I think that would be sufficient for for the people at that level of 50s, 60s and stuff. Um, to obviously go past the 30s and the 20s, um, you needed to have a little bit more uh, than, than that. And that's what James and, and Lee and, mm. and the guys had. Um, so I think that was, that was important. Um, I think... Uh, from a very young age, I think I tried to play the big tournaments. Uh, right. You know, just if, if I got into qualifying, even if it was like 24th qualifier, I would go because uh, I just felt that that's the way that I, I was going to get better. Hmm. Uh, that's the way I was going to uh, play the guys, you know, higher up in the rankings and, and get. Um, and if I beat them, then I was going to go up in the rankings myself. Um, so I, I think that attitude helped me. Uh, it also meant that through all these years because I've been playing the big tournaments since I was probably 20, 21 mm-hmm. through the qualifying uh, but it also meant that for the last 10 years I have like a bank of information mm-hmm. um, of playing um, all the guys at the top um, you know and, and I think uh, now if you ask me how to play X player I think I have a lot of knowledge as to what I need to do mm-hmm. uh, against them and, and I think that's helping me now um, as well uh, because I've been doing a lot of uh, work in terms of that as well, in terms of, you know, everyone you play, you have to play in, in a slightly different way. There's a subtlety to it. You want your uh, you want to play your game and impose your game, but there is uh, places that you that you don't want to put the ball in mm. and places that you do want to put the ball in when you're and the pace at which you play at and things like that. So um, I think that that helped me a lot. And, um, and just, you know, even like playing leagues in England, uh, like I played the Yorkshire League and the National League, uh, you know, going to different clubs, um, not getting used to the court and just playing, um, you know, in different different conditions, some bouncy and hot because there's so much heating and some... Particularly in the leagues, they just, yeah. they vary so much, yeah, don't they? And, and some like joke cold with the ball, like it's <laughs> almost impossible to get the ball behind the service box, yeah. uh, you know, and things like that. And I think, um, you know, that kind of gives you um, a good perspective of, you know how you need to adapt your game to to mm. different different conditions, um, and it's easier said than done. Uh, but um, and there were some matches where I was thinking like, man, how did I lose this? Because I just couldn't adapt to the conditions that that were in in place. Uh, but yeah, like 
those are learning times and you learn from it and, and mm. that was helpful uh, in the years to come and mm. um, what's what's been the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn or took you the longest to learn at the time <laughs> um i think uh, it has to be probably you know the way to be able to detach myself from from the result um I, like how we started in the beginning saying that you know it's a very very fine line um it's it's been tough because i want to do so well uh, it's almost like holding sand in your hand mm. and if you hold it really tight then it that goes out but if you hold it just right then it's always going to be there sure. um so um it's it's being able to find the line you know like being able to uh, understand that um that me as a player is going to play well if if i'm enjoying it and if i'm if i'm expressing myself on court the way i want to uh, someone else um might just want to dig in and and play like with this fierce determination and things like that but that's not someone like me i think someone like maybe nick nick matthew or even mohammed al shorbagi i think i think they could they could do that because they have that that trait in them mm. but i think someone like myself um or or rami or or tarek you know i think us or abu algar i think <laughs> it's important that we uh that we kind of express what we want to do and because that is uh how we are going to um impose our game on the other person sure. and um that's when we are most calm and composed and and using our head uh to you know put the ball in places where we know is going to hurt the other person mm-hmm. the most um so i think i think that's been the biggest lesson for me um that i've kind of known but it's always been hard to find the right balance sure. uh but i think right now i have i have i'm i'm close to that balance mm. uh and i'm and at I'm this happy, moment as well at this right? moment yeah. <laughs> uh, and i'm happy to be uh, to be there i think just in general like even if i lose i'm not um i'm not so down as well like i lost in in the first round in hong kong after i won the 50k in in mumbai and i was like yeah i mean you know my body i was my body was tired um the other guy played well he took his chances when he needed to i mm. didn't play my best but that's the way it was that day i wasn't feeling the ball that well and i tried my best and wasn't like from want of trying but yeah. i couldn't do the things that i wanted to do on court as well as i wanted to and i lost and and that's the way it is and and i think it's important to be to be for me at least to be able to to feel that and to understand that and sure. and if i can do that then i think over the course um of of the season or whatever i think it'll it'll fall into place where i'll be playing uh, better most matches than i want mm. yeah um and i mean you mentioned that first moment when you arrived in england and you were thinking what have i done and is there is there sort of a moment that stands out where you you lost belief in yourself throughout this ah there've been there've been moments where i think there've been two or th- maybe two or three times where during the course of the last 10 years where i've i've thought that right this is not what i want to do like i've never been the kind of person who's happy to kind of just be an also ran yeah. um i've always wanted if i was doing anything i want to be the best at it so if these moments when i felt like this is not what i want to do is because me at, the, at those times i kind of felt that maybe uh, i couldn't achieve what i wanted to achieve that maybe i wasn't good enough mm-hmm. um in fact <laughs> it's funny um 
at the end of last season, uh, I was close. Mm. I was close to saying, right, you know, this is it. Uh, body's not responding the way I wanted to. Uh, mentally, I'm not enjoying it as much. Um, and yeah, I might just, just, just go away and do something else because I know I can do a lot of other things and I'd be good at it and I'd be happy doing a lot of other things mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, you know, you go through a lot of dark times and, um, sometimes you come out of it, sometimes you don't. Um, but also like you kind of realize, um, you know, during the dark times that, I think the thing that keeps you going, at least that's what kept me going, is that I feel like all the other things that I want to do, um, I can do it at a later point in time in my life. Uh, but the squash, I can never leave and come back. Mm. Um, and it's almost like compulsively I've been like, right, I can't come back now, so I might as well do it as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then let's see how this goes. Um sure. And that's how I've kind of come back. And then mm. I've been like, okay, if I've, if I've come back now, I better bloody give it a good bloody shot now because otherwise what's the point mm. and then yeah and then i've trained really hard and, and put the work in and um and i mean this time just put the work in mentally been in a much better place and and, mm. and that's why uh, i think I've, I've been able to play as well as i have mm. and when you kind of get into those sort of darker and more challenging times what um other than you know giving yourself the, the space to have those kind of thoughts is there anything else that you do to take steps forward and get out of those those periods? I think for because me, they last longer than some last longer than others. Yeah, don't yeah. They? And I think for me, it's important to be able to just get away from the game a little bit, right. uh, to uh, kind of do the things that that I feel happy doing, um, enjoy doing. Could be anything, man. That could be uh, watching movies, going to going on a holiday, uh, partying like a maniac for like ten days. <laughs> Um, eating a lot of sweet and food mm. uh, could be anything or just chilling at home and, and you know just not worrying about it mm. uh, and then uh, picking up a racket after like 10 days two weeks and seeing how I feel sure. um, also sometimes uh, after not um, playing for a while seeing if I miss it you know so things like that I think again for everyone is different but for me I think if I can if if I'm in like a really really dark place then it's better for me not to keep thinking about it because mm. Because I'll start thinking of 20,000 things, some which might not even exist. Uh, so it's better for me to almost kind of get away and, and almost try and get that thought completely out of my mind. Mm. And then let the universe almost uh, tell me what I want to do. Mm. Um, and then and then see where that takes me. Yeah. And I think it, it just, you know, based on the things that you've said and from my own experience, that's exactly what I would want to do is it, it's often you get into those flunks when things are just a bit too out of balance and you're just a little bit too in that bubble of either wanting it too badly or just, you know, just squash and there's not enough balance with other things. And, you know, that that's something I was going to say earlier about um, something that, that seems that you've been able to have a really good balance or at least be able to keep grounded as, you know, whether it's uni or even just, you know, being at home and seeing how lucky you are. I think um, you don't be a, you don't choose to be a professional player if you're not if you don't want to do it, um, often we just maybe don't set up the game in a way that is um, in for the long term. So, um, yeah, I think it's just that's a sign. OK, I'm a little bit out of balance and it's just figuring out the things that, you know, you need to get back in. And before long, you, you know, you're ready to yeah, you're back sure. at it again, aren't you? So yeah. uh, it just sometimes takes time. So, um, 
yeah, as you said, you know, you've been playing the tour for, for over 10 years now and you've had many, many experiences and ups and downs. What's, um, what's the shadow side? Like, what's the, the cost of pursuing sporting excellence? I think you don't have as many friends um, because purely because um, you don't have time for, for, for all of them. Um, I think you end up having a very, very close-knit group. Um, which in a way is good as well, uh, but you don't have that. You don't have as much time um, to like go out, socialize, uh, especially for someone like me who likes doing that. Um, it's, it's a price. Um, it's also like, you know, with like now that I'm married, um, I, I can't spend as much time with, with my wife as, as much as I would like to, um, even when we're in the same city. Um, I mean, she's working as well, so I guess... It's on both sides now, but um, like you know, you're still training, and um, there are things that you need to do, and uh, and you're traveling a lot, and there are a lot of upsides to traveling. But um, trust me, I think if you ask most squash players, um, not the young ones, because they're just starting <laughs> out, <laughs> but yeah. people who've done it, uh, done their fair whack of of the traveling, I think they would they would love to play every single tournament at their home club, <laughs> so that they didn't have to like go. Um, get on a flight uh, and live in another hotel. I mean, we live in some nice hotels, but yeah, we're in a pretty nice one now. Yeah, hey? but 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 it doesn't compare to being at home and and you know of eating course. the fo- food from home and and things like that. So, I think I think that's there. Um, I think the biggest cost, though, I think is is the big highs and the big lows that you have. Um, mm. I think mentally, it's it's much tougher to deal with uh, than um, you know if you're working like a nine to five job because. You don't get those uh, variations in, in, in moods and uh, and and, thing, and and your mental makeup, so to say. Um, whereas with us, it's so objective. You win, you're happy. You lose, you're sad. Um, you don't play well, you're sad. You know, so it's mm. it's it's hard. It's we go through. You win one day, you lose the next. Mm. It's 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 tough to it's tough to deal with that. And uh, I think that is definitely the toughest part of of being in sport um, mm. to be able to, uh, you know, like the podcast is finding the balance mm-hmm. of uh, um, winning and losing and having that connection uh, with your head uh, to not um, get too high on yourself when you win and not get too down on yourself when you lose. Mm. Um, I think as a squash player, I think that's it. I think some other sports maybe. Uh, like it is in cricket in India and maybe football here. Uh, I think what is said and written about you, I think plays a, plays some part as sure. well. Uh, as squash players, I think we enjoy a much lesser um, scrutiny uh, from the media. We get a little bit, but not as much. But you know, the other guys like the footballers in here and the cricketers in India, like they win one match, they're gods, and they lose <laughs> the next one. Their effigies are being burnt. Um, <laughs> it's like cement being thrown on their houses and, sure. and, and stuff like that so so i think that is that is the other part or the or the ugly side of of mm. the stardom that they have um and you know dealing with the mentally is the is the dark side of, of being in professional sport mm. and and how do you kind of manage it personally and and i mean what are your what are your just general thoughts around balance at, at the moment I mean, you know, like now I'm in a good place. I I feel like I, um, I found um, this small area where um, I'm 
just grateful to be able to play, to be able to play in, uh, in big matches, compete against the best, um, have the belief and, and the knowledge in me that um, I can do some damage against whoever I play. Mm. doesn't matter. And just go there and enjoy myself and, and, and live each day as, as, as a privileged soul because I feel like I am and, and do what I want to do which is play squash and enjoy myself. So it's, mm. it's, it's perfect for me in terms of what people say or write about me. Um, I don't pretty much read anything <laughs> during an event. So during the event, it doesn't bother me. Uh, after the event, I read a little bit, but it's fine. You know, like you learn to realize that uh, everyone has their own opinion. Mm. Um, you would like everyone's opinion to be your own, but it's impossible. I'm very opinionated opinionated person as Malcolm would tell you if you ever <laughs> asked him <laughs> maybe that's why he likes me because yeah. we have some real arguments <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but yeah but that's the way it is and you need to respect the way, what people um, say and what people think of you and but in in most parts people are you know people are genuine and, um, and they've, they've been nice to me in most parts so so I don't have so much to complain about as well. I'm mm. not such a poor soul. <laughs> mm. I th- but I think I think that kind of grateful living is it's a habit as well, isn't it? You know, you yeah. have to you have to remind yourself because it's quite easy to yeah, I mean, forget. Yeah, and it's not just about the squash; it's about life in general. You Absolutely. know, like you know, I'm I'm grateful to to be married to to my wife. Like I've loved her for a really really long time, and we've been through a lot of ups and downs, and finally we're together again now. And uh, you know, so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for uh, the life that I have in Calcutta with my grandparents, my dad. Um, you know, grateful for um, all the other things that I have in life. You know, mm. so it's there's nothing in life where you can like compartmentalize it and say, okay, I'm going to be grateful for this, but I'm not going to be grateful for for anything else. It's the whole, it's the entirety of of your existence. Uh, mm. You know, to be able to um, understand that and feel that, okay, this is. This is what I'm doing. Squash is a part of my life. It's mm. not away from it. Um, you know, so to be able to understand that the whole thing is 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 one whole, and yeah. and if you're grateful for the entire whole, uh, then everything is going to flow in in the same direction. And when everything flows in the same direction, that's when you know you have the power. It's mm. like it's like uh, water trickling down in different places. And there's nothing's going to move, but mm. the entire ocean, everything goes in one way you can move continents. Yeah. So uh, so it's important that whatever you do, whichever way you go, there are different paths to reaching wherever you want to reach. Uh, this might be my path, so to say, but someone else could have another way of going about it. Mm-hmm. But whichever way, it's like training with different coaches. Everyone has, has a different uh, view of the game and the way they want people to play. And Malcolm mm-hmm. has a certain identity. Uh, David Pearson has a, c- a certain identity. Uh, David Palmer has a different identity. So, but whatever you choose to do, you have to choose it wholeheartedly. Like mm-hmm. you have to go that way. You can't have like twenty thousand trying to go twenty thousand different paths in one go because then you're just detouring everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're not going to your destination finally. So it's important to have the same direction of flow, uh, mm-hmm. wherever whichever way you want to go. So I guess on that subject of flow, can can you capture sort of your ideal mindset when you're at your best? Is it is it in that flow or what is it? At my best, look, feel like at my best. I think pre. Um, you're talking about when I'm playing squash, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. So at my best, I think before I go into a match, I know exactly what I need to do, where I need to put the ball, uh, and how I need to put the ball. 
but when I'm playing the match, I'm not thinking at all um, as to what I need to do. It's almost like it's coming naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, like the rhythm is there. Um, you're just flowing and uh, you just get this feeling that, you know, there's no matter what anyone hits, you're going to get it back with interest. And you know exactly when the ball is in a certain area, what you want to do and you just do it. Mm. And and is there a, is there you know something that you do or that helps you get into that set? Like how can we or the listeners get into that sort of state a bit bit quicker? I think I think more often. I think the, what I do is I kind of try and visualize what I want to do. Um, not like I'm not I don't do any sort of like meditation visualization like in a formal way. I kind of do it at different points in time. Um, sometimes when I even when I'm just watching a match, I'll be thinking. Of what I want to do when I'm playing someone else, like completely different from what I'm watching. Um, so it's about finding the way that works best for you. For some people, it works to do, you know, like let's say ten minutes of visualization. You have like uh, like a timer set, and you, you visualize mm. for ten minutes. It doesn't work for me. Um, I feel like it's just forced. Right, like, or like overthinking a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, like I could be walking down the high street and I could be thinking, right, okay, I'm gonna play this guy tomorrow, and I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do this, and if he does this, then. I'm gonna do this, and yeah, I think, I think that's fine. Uh, and then, uh, and then, this, and, and the next moment, I'll be ordering like food or something. <laughs> so yeah, you'll be in the middle of the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so it just depends, you know. So you need to be able to find. I think it's important. The basic thing is you need to have a clear idea of yeah. what you want to do. How you get that clear idea is based upon you as an individual. I don't think anyone can give you a handbook saying that this sure. is what you want to do. That is the path that you have to create for yourself. Once you have a clear idea, um, it's a lot easier for you to implement it. Um, and uh, when it becomes easier for you to implement it, automatically I would think that it, things would flow a lot easier. Mm. And you kind of trust that it'll happen. Yeah. Right? You have to believe in what the idea that you have. Mm. If you don't believe in it, then it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the idea is not correct. Because you've played someone and you feel like, right, okay, this is the way I want to play him. But on that day, he's just too good, A, maybe. Or B, what you thought would work is not working. So then you need to maybe kind of change stuff around. But you still need to give it some time. You can't like say, right, three minutes, I've done this. Oh, it's not working. Let's just change something now. You need to have, give it some time. Of course, if it's not working for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, then you you can't be stupid and say, right, I'm just going to keep doing this and get chopped. You know, you at least need to try something else. There's no guarantee that the other thing is going to work and you're going to get back, Mm -hmm. but at least you've tried something. Mm. And just still on this subject to say habits or rituals, do you have something that you do daily that you feel, you know, makes you feel good or contributes to your your inner success or well-being? Um, Again, you know, like at different points in the day, I just kind of focus on my breathing a little bit. Um, I feel like if I can breathe deep, and, and and feel in a weird way like feel the oxygen going into my lungs a bit better um, then I feel a lot calmer mm-hmm. um, I feel like when I'm calm it's like a chicken and egg when I'm calm I can do it a lot yeah. easier sure. um, and, but like if I'm not calm then if I can kind of get myself to do it then I get calmer mm-hmm. um, so I think yeah that, that, that definitely helps me uh, on a daily basis cool and of all the mental skills, I mean, we've mentioned a few, but say, you know, focus, determination, resilience, those kind of things. What do you believe is the most important? <laughs> I mean, this is, I think everything's important, but for me, maybe focus. Uh, I think from focus, if you're, if you're focused on, on what you need to do, um, then I think from that, all the other things come in. 
uh, like the determination, the resilience, um, the precision of your play, or whatever it is. If you're focused on on something, then more often than not, you will have the others kind of doing in line with it. Mm-hmm. And what's the question that people should be asking more? So, I mean, you must get lots of people coming coming up to you and asking certain questions or people interviewing you maybe and asking certain questions. Is there something that you think we should be maybe asking differently that we're not? It's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone's asked me when... Everyone asked me, like, when am I going to be top 10? Okay. Uh, a lot of people like back home as well and this thing because everyone believes that I can be top 10 um, hopefully uh, you know I can get to a point where people can ask me when I'll be world number one so but I mean I, I guess in a way it's like a chicken and egg again because it depends on me showing people that it's possible mm-hmm. um, so for me I need to be able to continue what I've done this season and and, and push forward more and if, if that happens then I'm sure people will will think that yeah you know he's he's in with a shout sure um and you've you've won the nationals 12 times and and i mean you've been playing for for so long what what keeps you motivated i play the nationals that's the only domestic event that i play every year and i think it's uh more to do with the fact that i think it's a responsibility for for all the top players to to play the nationals so that um a, whoever wins the nationals knows that they've beaten the best to to be mm. national champion uh, and B for all the people watching both the general public and especially the juniors uh, like you know they can see the level of squash that um, India has has gotten to now because it's definitely the best it has ever been mm-hmm. uh, the group of boys that we have now is is, is mm. the best we've ever had uh, the two girls that we have now is the best we've ever had um, and I think it's it's important that we we showcase that um at, at a national event at a national championships and if we don't do that then it's it's sad because we aren't, aren't showcasing the best with what the country has to offer and the people who win it it'll be like a like, like a hollow win like you know even if i win it and no one else is playing sure. then what's the point mm-hmm. um like uh, harinder beat me in 2014 to win the nationals it's not a hollow win he's one beating the mm. best players and he's he's uh, rightfully the national champion in 2014 and that's a title that he'll always cherish uh, even when he finishes mm. um, so I think that's why I play the nationals and that's what keeps me motivated to play it every year sure and uh, I guess just lastly for before we get on to the final questions that, I'll, that I try and ask everyone um you spoke about you know when you get into your your flunk sometimes and you think about the other things that you like to do do you maybe in a more constructive way do you make make time to think about what might be next you, 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 what, and what are your thoughts on doing that as well yeah i mean i definitely um have ideas of what i want to do um i would like to stay involved in sport if i can um so in that sense uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of talent in India and I don't think we get the right um, uh, guidance and expertise and knowledge available to us, uh, especially when we are young, to be able to produce uh, world champions. Mm-hmm. So I would like to um, do something on 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 that front uh, to be able to give younger kids uh, the chance and the best possible platform to to perform at the level that they need to to be world champions. 
Great. Okay. Well, um, just before we do go on to the final questions, I, I just want to say thank you for making the time on your day off to to come and chat with me and 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 trust in me that this is going to be fun and no, no, it's fine. Uh, thank you. Um, and and just uh, and also like to acknowledge you. Um, you you must be a countless source of inspiration to many people, well, in India but also on across the world and. Yeah, I, I really admire the way that you're, you know, expressing yourself in your own unique way. So um, thanks, thanks. Good. Um, and what's the best way to to kind of for people to follow you and kind of keep in touch with what you're all about? I mean, the best way to follow me is probably Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of put anything which is which is good and important uh, on that. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, well, since I'm playing squash, I guess you could follow me on all the on the squash websites and uh, on PSA World Tour, and um, hopefully see a lot more of me um, on PSA Squash TV. So yeah, I think I think that's probably the best cool. way. And what's so? It's just at Saurav Gosal for yeah, for Twitter. Twitter. Okay, cool. We'll hook that up. And do you have like a, a like a book recommendation or something that might be of interest for people that are listening? book recommendation what could be a resource or, or something uh i really like usain bolt's autobiography okay um it's pretty good what's that called uh he's because I, I think he's got quite a few books hasn't he so or there yeah. are many books written about him but it's his autobiography so i think he just has one which is written by him okay um so that one and there's another one by abhinav bindra who's the indian shooter who won the gold who's got the center his auto autobiography as well um i think those two um i've just read that i think that gives a very how do i say a very honest and brutal uh, account of, of what it takes to be the best uh, there is great so i think those two at this moment in time okay well i'll 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 make sure i get those those off you to write up in the show notes yeah, yeah. don't know how to say that last guy's name yeah, yet yeah, so yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, okay so final questions i'm just gonna say the first part and then you just finish the sentence with whatever springs to mind so success is is me being happy failure is not giving my best squash is the most enjoyable thing in life that i do my vision is to leave a legacy it all comes down to effort sarah thanks buddy thanks a lot Tom. i appreciate that Cheers. and thank you everybody for for listening um if you enjoyed the the episode then please share it with a friend that's the best way that this is going to grow and get to as many people as possible uh, you can also subscribe uh, via itunes or the different mediums They'll be up on my website, which is tomfordsquash.com. Um, if you have any questions for myself or Saurav, then then uh, hit us up on social media. I'm at tomfordsquash. Saurav is at Saurav Gosal. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, have a great week, and I'll see you next week with the next one.